Okay, if you would please turn to 1 John chapter 5 in the back of your Bible. 1 John chapter 5. I'll be reading verses 14 and 15. 1 John 5, 14 and 15. And this is the confidence that we have toward Him. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of Him. Blessed is the reading of God's holy, infallible, inspired Word through His servant, the Apostle John. Father, I pray that I would say this morning what You said through John in these two verses. Help me do that. Help me treat the text as holy. It's grammar. It's syntax. It's conditional clauses. And the result of those conditions. And help us, Your people, Hear it with our hearts in such a way that affects how we deal with You intimately in our lives to the glory of Your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. We're getting close to the end of this series in this little letter that John wrote. But remember the context, because he's making transition now. John is moving out of his contention that there is this thing that's precious to true believers called the assurance of your salvation. And now he moves into the assurance of answered prayer. So think about it for a moment. What if you knew how to get God to answer yes to your petitionary prayers. This morning's sermon is on how to get what you want from God. So let's first, if you're there in chapter 5 of 1 John, let's just read through the words again slowly, taking very seriously the grammar, the structure as is given so that we can plainly see what is on the page. Just throw away all presuppositions. You just let it speak first. But, but I, want, uh, I want to start with verse 13. And as we do, I want you to notice that according to John, 
prayer, petitionary prayer, asking God for things, is about confidence before Him. Verse 13. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. Okay, we know who he's talking about. Those persons who have been plucked out of the world and something miraculous has happened in their heart concerning the truth of the Gospel. I believe I'm His. Okay, that, that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have toward Him. That if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And so, to be certain of possessing eternal life for John means to be certain of an intimate, personal relationship with the Sovereign One of the universe. And as we have that relationship, he says, we speak also as He speaks to us, and we know He hears us. This has not something to do with whether God has bad hearing or not. This has to do with whether He is listening as a father to a child and approving what we ask of Him. He hears us and According to the text, as it goes on, He therefore grants those requests. Because they're prayed, or if they're prayed, according to His will. See verse 15? And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of Him. The key to know that God the Father hears us and thus grants our requests of Him. The key is by praying according to His will. John's point is that prayer, prayer in the Christian life is not a tool for imposing our will, our desires, Upon God. It's not, a, it's not some kind of tool where we plead and plead and plead till I finally did it. I got God to change His will. It's not what prayer is. But prayer to God for God's children is this precious, crucial gift of spiritual discipline which is about, through our prayers, subordinating and changing our desires. Changing what we will to God's will. How do we pray, Jesus? Pray. Father, let Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, Father, Your perfect will to me 
living in this present evil darkened world with sin still riddled through my soul but I believe I'm alive your spirit's in me I'm desperate for your will to be done down here he didn't mean done down here in the dirt or in trees he means that your will will be done in me that my will will be changed to your will Jesus in His earthly mortal journey is the supreme model of this, isn't He? Why do you think they wake up every morning and wonder where He was? It it wasn't because in His human soul, in His human frailty and mortality, that He's praying to His eternal Father, that is the very One who Himself is eternal, now who is taking upon Himself human flesh, and He's trying to to maybe persuade His Father against what His Father willed ten minutes ago. That's not what He's doing. He's desperate for constant subordination. Reliance upon Him by the Spirit. And then that that model really shows up in the Garden of Gethsemane. Hours before His brutal torture would begin and that He will be purposefully and willingly walking into. He knows in His humanity, I have inclinations, desires, they're beckoning me saying, if there's any way to go that way, I want to go that way and not that way. Fathers, there's another way than to going to the cross. Nevertheless, not my will. In that sense, not my will. If my will is against your will for me now in my journey. That's how he prayed, isn't it? Think about it now. If you've been here throughout the last seven months, everything John has said in this letter about the true Christian life about walking in the light, not in the darkness. About walking in loving your brothers and sisters in Christ as the proof you're genuinely converted to Him. In your obedience to His commands, which to you are not burdensome. All that He has said now comes to fruition in His doctrine of prayer. See, Christian prayer is not Father I've fallen in love with this guy or this gal and we have an attachment and and we're in love I know that he or she is not a believer but but I'm praying could you make an exception for, for me No, that's not Christian prayer. But rather, yeah, I'm real. This is what's happening in me. Here's my circumstance. Father, Your will, which is clear here in the Scripture, be done in my life. That's the kind of prayer request that 
is granted. That's the point of this text. And this is the confidence that we have toward Him that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of Him. John just said, if the condition of prayer here. If we ask according to His will, if the condition is met, then He goes on to say, not you shall someday in the future receive the answer to your prayer. It's not what it says in the original. And even in the good translation of the ESV. He says, if the condition is met, and then comes the present tense. We have presently the request that we have asked of Him. Born again persons pray according to God's will. And as they do, they can be sure they already have their request. Praying in line with God's will is the condition to answered prayer. Why are there all kinds of us Christians praying all kinds of prayers that are constantly answered with no? You listen. Because they're not prayed according to His will. Or in this text, just say it this way, because of the all-important qualifier, if you pray according to His will. Okay. Now, I'm going to ask you to do something. Grab that Bible of yours, and now I want you to flip over to something else the Apostle John wrote. In the Gospel of John, chapter 15, where He was there and He is recording for us the intimate words of Jesus to His disciples. It's where John gets all His teaching. You know that. Okay. So, these two texts are our passage in 1 John 5. And now this, this text in John 15, they drive home the fact that prayer is at its core about bearing fruit in our lives. Look at verse 7, John 15. And, and, and notice for a moment the structure, like in 1 John 5, there's a conditional clause and there's the result. If we pray according to His will, then here's the result. You get what you want. Now, now hear that same structure here. Jesus says in verse 7, If you abide in Me and My words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Okay. 
Now that word wish translated, it's the exact same word of pray according to God's will. Thelema. So, so it's, it's the same word. You ask whatever you will. If God's word is in you, if you're living in it, His word is changing you, ask whatever you will. And it will be done for you. So, so put both of those texts together. Ask, and it will be done. That is, if my words abide or live in you, if you ask according to God's will, can't separate them. John knows that. That's why he's saying what he's saying when he wrote the letter later. God's Word is meant to change us, to mold us, to, to, to work on us, to undo us, to break us, and to build us back up. It, His Word is meant to have a profound effect constantly upon us. I'm not done. Through prayer. The Word, if you've got a PhD in New Testament or systematic theology, the Word without prayer will abort in you. In prayer, without the Word, will be deceptive to you. And so prayer produces growth. It produces the fruit of the Spirit and the fruit of evangelism, the fruit of God's glory spread through the earth. See, this, is, this, this fruit thing is clearly seen right here in this text. So what we're going to do, I'm going to go back to verse 7 read it again, but not stop. We're going to continue on and look at the connection with the next verse. Verse 8. Jesus says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you will and it will be done for you. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. See it? So you see that phrase at the beginning of verse 8? By this refers back to verse 7. And it refers forward to verse 8. He says, by this is my Father glorified. By, by what? By asking the Father as a person who is, in, who is affected by my Word. Asking the Father what you want and Him giving it to you. That's how He's glorified. And... He's also glorified, and this is not disconnected from what came before. He's also glorified that you bear much fruit. There's something about the Word which causes one to pray according to His will, which is producing the bearing of fruit in the Christian life. That's the implication of Jesus' words. God gets glory and we bear fruit because we have prayed according to His Word and His will. And He has answered. And therefore, 
the primary point of petitionary prayer in this text is fruit bearing in your life. Now to really see this, just stay right there in John 15 and jump down a few verses. See all the red letters? Okay, he's just all one big long speech of Jesus. And in verse 16, he says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and your fruit should remain or abide. This is stunning. So that whatever you ask the Father in My name, He may give it to you. Now, if we're confused on His fruit that He has in mind, just read the next sentence. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Told you John gets his teaching from this guy. But, I don't want to leave that verse. Because I do this all the time. I write stuff. And after the tenth reading, I find an error grammatically or a word misspelled and I never see it. You want to know why? Because I know what I'm writing or what I want to say. And I just read it into there and it's not there. And we do that a lot. So, I just want to pause and say, be very careful that what Jesus just said here, you did not misread. Because your mind will say, this is how He should have said that and your mind might have read it that way. But he actually said the reverse of what you would expect him to say. I mean, it seems like Jesus, you would say, God will answer your prayers in order that you may bear fruit. It's not what he said. He said, I chose you and I appointed you to bear fruit in order that you will have your prayers answered. Stunning. Christianity is not a club. I got my membership. It is a miracle in the persons who are being saved by what actually happened in history. And Jesus says, you are saved because I chose you. And I chose you that fruit will be born in your life. And it will because He purchased it by His blood. But I chose you. I plucked you out. You didn't know what's happening. And here's the result of me choosing you in order to bear fruit. You're going to pray and have your prayers answered. That's what He said. So I just, I'm going to read Jesus again. These three verses, 7 and 8 and verse 16 and hear it. If you abide in Me, and My words abide in you. Ask whatever you will, and it will be done for you. By this, My Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be My disciples. You did not choose Me, but I chose you, and I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in My name, He may give it to you. 
Prayer at its core is about fruit-bearing in our lives. Praying just breaks down when it is not used for the goal of fruit-bearing in our lives. And Jesus says, look, because I want you to pray and I want you to get answers to your prayers. That's why I chose you to be mine. To bear fruit. If a person in the name of Jesus is not devoted to fruit bearing in their own personal life, and then how their life lives in this world towards others in bearing fruit of the Gospel so they can see His Father and glorify Him. In other words, if they're not about in their prayers, God, work first most in me, in me, in me, in me, and so I can be used for you, for you, for you, then we have no reason to expect answers to our prayers if that's not what it's about. And so John writes to us in our passage, and this is the confidence that we have toward Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of Him. So, so I think from these two passages of, of John, in First John and in John 15, we can conclude that prayer is not for gratifying natural desires. Asking according to God's will means not expressing my mere human natural desires, family desires, desires that the body wants or my soul wants in and of itself apart from the sanctifying, fruit-bearing purposes of God in our lives. Okay, good. I gave you time to think. Because you should be thinking, well, well, okay, how do you... I mean, didn't Jesus tell us to pray for stuff as simple as food? That's a natural desire. Pray this way. Give us this day our daily bread. He certainly did. That's a natural desire of every human being. You're going to die without it. Many people do die without it. And there are many other examples in the Bible. Just read the Psalms of natural prayers like protection from my enemies, escape from danger, escape from the danger physically of sickness. Prayers throughout 
the Old Testament of my husband and I have been trying to have a baby and we can't. Please, please. Please, like Hannah. Natural desires for fertility. So let me tell you this. I don't think the Bible is saying that any of those desires are necessarily wrong. But I do think the Scripture is teaching that they all need to be subordinated to spiritual desires first. The desire, in other words, of having our desires bent to God's will and not the other way around. To fruit bearing in the midst of praying for all natural desires that God, I want in me the fruit of You The one true God who lives in me by the Spirit to come out in love, in joy, in peace, in patience, in kindness, in goodness, in gentleness, in self-control, in evangelism. I want you to have hold of my life and all things, natural things like money and home and clothes and stuff. That none of it become my God. Let that fruit be born in me. When we pray that way, then natural desires are no longer merely natural desires. We don't always know the answer of it, but God does protect. Paul's on a ship and they're in a horrific storm. They pretty much all know they're going to die. They have to start throwing overboard food and everything that's waiting the ship down to survive. And Paul's praying all night long. And I have to think in some of that, is this it? I thought I was supposed to get to Rome and hopefully to Spain. Am I done? He got an answer that night, and God doesn't always answer this clearly. Gave him a word. He says, no, you're not done. And you tell the people this is what they are to do, and no one's going to die in this ship when done. But there came a day, the night before he was executed by the state, you're done. You're going to die. He prayed... according to God's will. Prayed for His sanctification and the fruit-bearing in His life and His fruit-bearing in His ministry to others. And He leaves the answers to God. Natural desires. Life! I don't want to die right now. Okay, why? 
Prayer is for God's name and for God's glory and for God's will to be prayed through human sinners who are being saved by Jesus Christ. It is for fruit bearing in their lives, even for all natural things, because they are subordinated to the glorious huge things of the gospel and of life. And therefore, if, if, our, if our protection, if our escape from danger that we pray for, if our food, our eating, and our working, and our house buying, and our clothing, and our investment in time and energy into education leads to those great Christ-centered objects, then all of those kinds of prayers can be prayed with confidence before your Father. Prayer is foundationally about changing us. C.S. Lewis didn't make that one up. He just said it well. Prayer is mainly about changing us to will what God wills. Isn't this what David meant in Psalm 37.4? Delight yourself in the Lord and He will give you the desires of your heart. Isn't, isn't he saying life is filled with need? Absolutely. Jesus knows it. He preaches the Sermon on the Mount to say what to do about it. Which is be driven not to all the need that you have. Be driven to trust and relax in your Father's care. About it. Because you're desiring Him. You're delighting in Him. And so the desires of the heart, according to David here, are not merely natural desires when they are subordinated to delight yourself in the Lord. And He'll give you the desires of your heart. Delighting in the Lord. Delighting in His Word. The Scripture. Delighting in His will transforms our natural desires into God-exalting desires. It wasn't me, by the way. I was just pretending. So, in our passage, then, in 1 John chapter 5, when it says, if we pray according to His will, one thing this teaches us about what prayer is not God is not some needy executive over creation where He needs counselors to help Him out with it. Pray to me. Talk to me about what's happening on earth. And what do you need? I can't figure it out. And if I get enough people in my ear to, to, to petition me of what I ought to do, that will be really helpful to me. It's not what prayer is. Prayer is that He delights in His elect in Jesus Christ. He delights in having them share 
in His running of the world through their praying to the degree that their praying is in line with His will and His purposes. And this is the confidence that we have toward Him that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us and thus grants it. That's our text. Prayer is not for gratifying our natural desires. Prayer is for satisfying our desires when those desires have been permeated by God's Word. When our desires have been changed and bent at those moments of prayer to be in line with His eternal purposes. Because His Word has moved our hearts and thus moved our prayer to pray this day according to His revealed will in Scripture. I don't think you have to flip the page, but if, if you just look at chapter 3 for a moment. Remember what John said in chapter 3, verse 22. Hear how close this is to our passage. 1 John three twenty-two. We have confidence, there's that word again, we have confidence before God and, okay, here's prayer, whatever we ask, I want a new car. Has it always worked for you? I want that job. Has it always worked for you? We have confidence before God in whatever we ask, we receive from Him. Look at your Bible. He's not done. Why? Because we keep His commandments and do what pleases Him. In other words, it's no different than what He's saying in chapter 5. Prayer is directly connected to how we live concerning God's will revealed to us in His commands and His Gospel, and His promises, and everything else. But directly here in 3.22, according to God's will revealed in His commands. That's why I gave you an example of a non-Christian prayer. He has spoken. He has commanded. There's no need to say, I'm really attracted to that lady in the office at work. I know i got a wife and children at home, but God, could you see fit to allow me to have an adulterous affair? No. He has spoken. This is how James deals with this struggle of prayer with believers. Us. No. Chapter 4, verses 3 to 4, he writes, You ask God and you do not receive because you ask wrongly 
in order to spend it on your passions. He doesn't mean Godward passions there. You're asking God, could you please be the means of my idolatry? He says, that's why you don't. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly in order to spend it on your own passions. Okay, look, this is not me. This is James. He's pretty rough. You adulterous people. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? The Bible, the Word of God which reveals His will, prepares us to pray according to His will. If prayer is not for the purpose of God above all my felt needs, and I feel them, and you know them, and I'll be open with them with you, but if not, if prayer is not for God, don't let me be deceived by any of my felt needs. Let my felt needs come in subjection to your word and to your self glorifying purposes. John is guiding us here. He's guiding us to pray like people who are not seeking what's on the Master's table, to quote Hank Hanegraaff, but to seek the Master. Communion with the Master. For those who are being Saved in Jesus. Prayer is not analogous to our fairy tale of a genie in the bottle. Open it up. This is what I wish. Here's your wish. It's not it. But prayer is about constant communion of being devoted to being transformed into the image of Christ day by day. And that's why Jesus said in John 15, 7, If you abide in Me, and My words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. Because the words of Jesus that we hear them in our own languages. We think about them. We're affected by them. And something happens with them miraculously and by mercy of the Holy Spirit in us. What is happening is we're becoming the kind of people who are not absolutely dominated by our natural desires. As Paul calls them, fleshly desires. But instead, we are devoted to wanting to be changed from one degree of glory to another. God's will, the Scripture, the Bible, is the means by which we are being changed. By which our desires are being changed. How? Jesus said, if my words abide in 
We are being changed because Christ in us speaks authoritatively by the prophets and the apostles in the recording of His very own mortal words spoken. That's what He's saying. Again, every day, this is why many of us Christians use term, I don't care what you call prayer time, quiet time, get alone time, get alone. And it, look, when I ever say that, don't ever be confused. Sometimes I almost always say both just so people get it. I mean mainly, have your Bible and pray. And pray and have your Bible. Because that's what Jesus is saying. Be, listen, not for voices. He's spoken. Eat it. Let it abide. Settle. And then Jesus says, Now, pray. Because you're going to get it. You're going to get what you're asking for. And this is the confidence that we have toward Him that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we've asked of Him. So what we have here is the Apostle John's biblical doctrine of prayer. Prayer, therefore, is not in order to change God's will. Prayer is at its core about being changed by God's will. So my heart grows cold, grows hard. I'm in a bad streak of unloving, insensitive behavior towards brothers and sisters in Christ. You pray. You pray according to His will. Father, shed Your love from above into my heart by Your Spirit. I know it's Your will, Jesus. You have called me to, to, to love. Faith, hope, and love remain. The greatest of these is love. Loving others is the proof of my faith in You. Oh, Father, oh, don't let me be one of those self-deceived persons. Please, this day, break that hard ground of my heart. Pray it from your heart. Because you're praying the will of God. You walk away. Believer. Being changed. Father, the same besetting sin that I hate so much just keeps creeping up. Deliver me. Jesus, You came to set the captives free. You had Paul write Romans I am not to be enslaved to this sin anymore for I have died with Christ. That's what you say. Help, help me here. Pray it with your heart if it takes 50 years every day. 
That's the kind of prayer John is talking about. Father, there are so many people lost and dying and on their way to an eternal, just, horrific experience forever. Open their eyes. You have said in your, in your Word that no one will see. We will preach till we're blue in the face and it will be foolishness and stupid to them or a religious stumbling block and they can't be saved. So Father, open their hearts. He delights in that prayer according to His will. My flesh, my anger is getting the best of me as it's wrapped up in my myopic self-centeredness. And my heart is growing cold toward my wife. But Father, You have spoken in Ephesians 5. Husbands, Love your wives as Jesus loves the church and gave Himself up for her, for her welfare, for for eternity. Father, I feel none of that right now, but I'm begging You, I'm asking You according to Your will revealed here, work it in me. That's praying according to 1 John 5. Father, I've become convicted that for the last five days, five weeks, five months, or five years, I'm realizing by Your grace I'm seeing that that most of my decisions in life are based upon my own immediate gratification without any concern how they affect other people around me in my local church, in my family, at the workplace, or anything else. Help me, Father, come in subjection to Your revealed will in Philippians 2, 3-4. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than you, Joe. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the, to the interest of others' Father. That's impossible. Without Your grace, I'm asking You, work this in me. That's enough. That's praying. According to 1 John 5. But just know this, dear believer, because that's how he starts it off in verse 13. And that I write this to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know you have eternal life. Is that you? Do you really? Okay. We are His children. He's our Father. And because we want 
answers. Meaning, I want that granted. My prayers granted. That means we need to purposely pursue praying according to His will. The take home of this passage is that we are to grow into the kind of people who when we realize that our desires are not in line with God's revealed will, then we are to be those who pray that God would change our desires, change our hearts, change our affections, and cause us to be ready to give up those desires which are not according to God's will. Now the easy ones, I gave examples. Walk this way, not that. Please, can I walk the way you said that? No. But there's a lot of stuff in life we don't know. This job, that job. I got this sickness, I got that. Why isn't it going away? Should it, should it not? Okay, just one illustration. So I, just, I just have to at least throw this in. I am literally closing in two minutes, search. Paul, just picture a big thorn in the flesh. It hurts. Little ones hurt. He's got a big one in his flesh and it's metaphorical. There's something in his life. We just don't know what it is. We don't know if it's these Judaizers who are destroying his ministry everywhere he goes. He's got to contend with these people that hate his guts and the gospel he preaches. And they're also calling themselves Christians. We don't know if it was a sickness. Whatever it is, but Paul was desperate and I pleaded with the Lord three times, please take this messenger of Satan away from me. And the answer was no. Because, Paul, my grace and my power in you is being brought to its completion through that experience of you down here. And I care more about your sanctification and your humility, Paul, than letting you go and being an arrogant son of a gun. Therefore, the answer is no. Paul says, after three times, he's got his no. And so, we who believe this text of 1 John chapter 5, we can enter into immediate possession of our request. That's what it says. It's present tense. Even whether the answer to our felt needs, Paul felt a need to have the thorn gone. Whether the answer from our loving Father is yes or no. And this is the confidence that we have toward Him that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request we have asked of Him. And the reason that we do is because Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane said and meant, Not 
my will, but yours be done. And He went to the cross and He shed His blood where He received the wrath of God against Himself for every sinner who would ever come to Him. And He was raised on the third day. And so as we are singing, we will feel the sobriety of that joy for us as believers in the cross as the cup and the bread are being passed out. So, if you are a baptized believer in Jesus, then feel free to partake and eat with us. We're going to hold and pray over them together. If not, just just rejoice with us as, as we do as we sing.